You're listening to the Inside Sports Nutrition Podcast, your source for all things sports nutrition. Thanks for joining us today. We've got a very different kind of episode than what we've done for you previously. So we're calling this a wild card session. What does that mean? Well, Bob and I actually had our first in-person recording together, but not only that, we got to meet with our local Denver friend, Rich Soares, to conduct a sweat sodium composition test on him. So if you listened to our previous episode, episode number 17, you heard us interview Andy Blow of the Precision Fuel and Hydration Company where we talked about the science of hydration, sweat, and electrolytes. So in this episode, we're building on that by actually doing a sweat sodium test on Rich, who, by the way, is an endurance coach, a triathlete, and cyclist, and he's also the host of the 303 Endurance Podcast, which you should check out as well. Anyway, if you've heard the mantra, test, don't guess, and you want to clue into that mantra even more, then you definitely want to tune into this episode because you're going to hear more about why to do this one-and-done test to learn your unique physiology and how that will affect your hydration and your electrolyte strategies. So you get to also be a bystander of sorts as we do the testing on Rich and walk through all the steps together. You'll find out whether Rich is a salty sweater and, you know, how to take that data and apply it to his strategies as he prepares for his racing season ahead. So thanks again for joining us. Enjoy episode number 18 of the Inside Sports Nutrition Podcast. Hey there, welcome to the Inside Sports Nutrition Podcast. Dina and I are sitting next to each other in Littleton, or actually Lakewood, Colorado. Welcome to this podcast. Today we are sitting with our very good friend, Rich Soares. He is a local triathlete and coach. And today, the reason why Dina and I are sitting together is we are taking Rich through a live sweat sodium concentration test. Why? Well, you'll find out. How? Well, we'll tell you that too. We are actually going to do a test on him, talk through everything from the start to the finish, ask him some great questions, and then obviously do some great interpretation after the testing. So thank you for joining us today. Dina, how are you doing? I'm doing great, Bob. This is going to be super fun. And I think one thing people are wondering, like, is Rich going to be on the treadmill or the bike? Are we making him swim or row? Yep, yep. But luckily we're just sitting here, you know, super cash. And um, that's the beauty of this test, which we'll go through. Even though we're on audio, we'll Mm -hmm. explain how it works. But other than that, Bob, I'm doing great. Doing great. Super excited. Yes. Yeah, we should be. Rich, thank you for joining us today and making the drive to to come visit us. Well, it's an honor to be with you guys. I'm really enjoying this and looking forward to it. And uh, congratulations on your new podcast. I've enjoyed listening to it. I think that this is exciting. I'm glad we're putting out content for uh, for, help athletes. Absolutely. And I I think that's the greatest thing, right? I mean, all of our listeners, like we are real life sport nutrition and we are going to take you through this testing that is super, super available, super economical and easy, as Dina mentioned. Like, we don't have to have any athlete do any type of exercise. Mm-hmm. We literally just sit here, right? So we will we will explain this. The test itself probably takes 20, 30 minutes, depending on how well Rich can sweat today. We'll see. But the yeah. great thing is he is literally sitting 
two, three feet away from us. And he will not be sweating or stinking or anything else. <laughs> as far as you know. <laughs> as far as, far as we that's know. That's good because I didn't bring the sweat towels today. You <laughs> yes. know what I mean? Depending on how hard the questions are. You know. Th that's yeah, true. Exactly. That's true. Yeah. Extra deodorant. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, this is great. All right. So where should we start, Dina? You know, I wonder just briefly highlighting the reason to do mm -hmm. this testing mm -hmm. it's great. Yep. for athletes. Yep. Uh, and maybe then, Rich, your interest in it as well. As an athlete coach, you're also a podcast host, mm -hmm. the Mile High Endurance Podcast. Mm -hmm. We should give a shout out. Absolutely. It's actually the 303 Endurance Podcast. 303, yeah, oh, exactly. Thank you. Yeah. Yes, yep, changed thank it. You. Yeah, we we rebranded a yeah. while thank back. Thank you for yep. that reminder. Which we love the 303. Yes. Yes. Okay. yes. <laughs> So, yeah, Bob, do you want to start with just maybe a high level? Yeah, so high level, I guess, is, well, our bias is every athlete should know certain metrics regarding their body, from blood work to obviously metabolic efficiency testing for nutrition piece of the puzzle. But when we sweat, we, like, we have no idea what it's comprised of, right? So we just think, oh, yeah, we're a heavy sweater, therefore maybe I should drink XYZ or pop this pill or whatever. So this high level, we are actually measuring the quantity of sodium specifically that is found in sweat. So the great thing is Rich doesn't have to sweat. We're actually going to induce sweat to see how much in terms of millimoles, but also millimoles per liter, but also milligrams of sodium lost. After that, just knowing that one number, we can actually devise an entire electrolyte and hydration strategy for Rich. We should back up, Rich is a triathlete, right? Swim, bike, run. So we can actually give some different strategies on all three sports, even though he is just literally sitting here in front of us. It's crazy. Yeah, love it, yeah. Yeah, and Rich, as you know from your experience in doing this testing, there are different methodologies mm, or yep. approaches. So the the equipment we use, as we've mentioned here a few times, doesn't require you to exercise. There are other ways uh, of doing sweat sodium testing, mm -hmm. but this way is one of the, I would argue, and I maybe am slightly biased, but looking at the science as well, it's uh, fairly accurate or mm -hmm. very accurate. Very accurate. And yep. so, uh, and reliable mm -hmm. as well. It's, it's actually uh, medical grade equipment yeah. too. So you know, legit situation that we've got set up for you. Yeah, it's awesome. I love that we're talking about why to do this. You know, I think, you know, every athlete wants to have a good day out there. Right. And, right. you know, I think if you get this wrong, uh, it's easy oh. to get it wrong and it's easy to have a really bad day out there. Yes. And I'm, I'm, you know, from personal experience, yeah. the reason, my why for doing this is so that I actually have a fun time while I'm racing. Exactly, right. And yeah. I don't end up, uh, oh, you know. That's a thing? You know, yeah. Yeah, believe it or not, I actually don't like uh, having that's dry heaves at the side exactly. of the uh, run course. So. Right, yeah. And it, it does make the experience much better, I think, in training also, right? But yeah. I think for me even, and I'll share my story briefly quick in, in a second, but it takes a lot of the guesswork out of it, right? Mm -hmm. So I remember, and, and we've been doing this testing for how many years now, Dina? Seven years. Six, seven. Six, seven yeah. years now. Seven, yeah. My personal story is I am a huge, like I sweat so much it's not even funny. I'm sweating just sitting here. No, yeah. not, not really, but I, 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 I do sweat a lot, right? So, but, and you always thought, because this is what we learn in our undergraduate, graduate work is the more you sweat, the more electrolytes you use or lose. In common sense, that seems absolutely 100% accurate until you have it measured, right? So my, my point is I'm a heavy sweater. 
I was also always taught you should consume as much sodium as possible because you see the white stuff on your helmet straps, on your clothes, whatever. And so I just dumped a whole bunch of so This is, again, back in the days before yeah. a lot of this testing equipment came out. We just had the patches back then. So I was like, okay, I'll just consume as much sodium that I could actually stand. And I guess it was working, even though I, was, I wasn't feeling great. Like I wasn't, sometimes I wasn't having that fun during races. I'm like, oh, my stomach is like, ooh, right? what's Loaded, going on? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, maybe it's my food into, or whatever. I never correlated it to hydration and electrolytes until I had this test done. And what I found, what we found, because Dina tested me, was that my sweat sodium concentration is it, it actually extremely low for my sweat rate. So my body is actually conserving sodium stores really well. What that equated to was I actually reduced my sodium intake per hour by 50%. And let me just tell you, it makes, it makes the whole day so much easier because you're not trying to figure out what pills, what powders, what potions. I, I can just go easy and just do my thing and have fun. And have right. confidence that you're taking the yes. right fueling. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Right. That yeah. makes you that makes you more confident in your racing, right? right. You don't hold right. back as much. Right, yeah. And then it just I think from a sport dietitian perspective, it it allows us I mean, the whole process is so much easier. Because we can say, Rich, this is exactly what you need. Like based on your physiology. And and I guess we should tell our listeners too, Dina, this is a one and done test. Like yeah. your sweat sodium concentration, it doesn't change much at all. So this isn't a test like blood work where you have to have every few months or a couple times a year. Literally, you have it once, and we've got all this data set. But here's the thing, and I know Dina's shaking her head at me. She's like, I know, I know. I'm going to say this if you don't say this. You need to always look at and measure your sweat rate throughout the year, right? Because your rate of sweat loss is going to change. You know, it's as we're recording this, it's the end of February. It's Colorado. I think it's probably 15 degrees outside, right? Whereas in June, we're probably going to hit some 80s and 90s and it's going to be hot. So we need to determine, and especially with Rich, in one of our messages is going to be do your sweat rate testing. And I know you're great at this, right? Do your sweat rate testing in February, in March, in April, in May, especially once you get to late season races because sweat rate changes. Even though sweat sodium concentration doesn't change, that sweat rate change will actually alter your electrolyte and fluid plan. We should probably pause yeah. just for a sec uh, in case. Sure. And no, I don't mean that kind oh, of pause. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> what I mean is because you just sip through these yeah. two pieces of right. the formulas. Yes. And just for anyone that's yeah, like, yeah. hold the phone because you talk super fast. Yeah, and yeah. I'm like, I get excited. I get excited. Uh, sweat rate, so fluid that you're losing through your sweat. But the other part of that. Mm -hmm. So that's the volume, right, of your losses yeah. is what's in it right. and why do we care. Right. So we've got fluid loss and the electrolyte loss mm -hmm. in the fluid. Mm -hmm. But within the electrolyte uh, you know, composition, it's sodium yeah. that we've been talking about here because that's really the most crucial part mm -hmm. of our electrolyte profile. Yeah. that we worry about with regard to yep. muscle contraction, right. maintaining plasma volume, mm -hmm. a whole host of reasons why we care about sodium. Yeah. So I just wanted to, <clears throat> I kind of pull on that piece a little bit right. more, Bob, yeah. because the sweat rate, as you were saying, we need to do right. that testing on our own. We don't need equipment other than a scale, yeah. weight scale, yeah. to look at our own fluid losses throughout a season mm -hmm. in various uh, environments, training intensities, mm -hmm. yeah. and so forth. But what we're doing today 
is this one and done test to see what that sodium composition per liter of your sweat mm -hmm. ridge is. Yeah. So that will hold constant. Yep. The other part of the equation, am I talking fast right. now? You're good, you're <laughs> good, you're good, yeah. The other part of the equation, which you've done some sweat rate collection for us, so we can see in the last, you know, six weeks or so, mm -hmm. how you're, like, how sweaty are you in varying Temperatures yeah, and intensities yeah. and those things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Does that make sense yeah, for absolutely. our listeners? Yeah. Okay. And just so our listeners know, because this is audio, I'm Dean and I are looking at seven data points uh, where Rich actually did his sweat rate testing. So this is phenomenal. Like the more data we have when we do this testing, the better, because we can start putting this puzzle together. And let, let me kind of take a quick uh, reprieve and just say to do sweat rate testing, super simple, right? This is probably the only time that I actually condone using a body weight scale for the most part. <laughs> but it's, it's before a workout, any type of workout, you will stand on that scale naked. Yep. butt naked, right? Right before your workout, get your, get your, get your weight, um, and then you do your workout. You have to reweigh yourself afterwards, butt naked again, right? And yep, you have to wash your, not wash yourself off, but make sure you have most of the sweat off your body. You want to be naked, obviously, because the clothing will hold your sweat. You also need to record how much fluid, if you drink during that session, and what you eat, what you consume in terms of electrolytes. So sweat rate testing is super simple. You just have to make certain notes of different things happening, like, oh yeah, I drink 20 ounces of water on that one hour bike ride or whatever it is, right? So we have a great spreadsheet that we're looking at that we'll actually talk to Rich about um, to kind of bring this to life. Awesome. Yeah. What are the things, Rich, uh, that you, you know, as an athlete, your athlete self, uh, with hydration prior to us doing the testing, or we could also talk afterwards, uh, you know, things that, have you struggled with anything specifically hydration-wise? Specifically hydration. Yeah. So, yeah. I, I, I mean, quite literally, you guys can see from the spreadsheet that right. data I've collected, I have a pretty good mm -hmm. sweat rate. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it, um, you know uh, we can talk about the, uh, the actual numbers yeah. here as we go through this, but, you know, I am, in a two-hour ride, I might be drinking anywhere from 36 to 52 ounces of water mm -hmm. uh, with hydration product in it, typically yeah. like a precision hydration or a you can hydrate mm -hmm. formula to make sure I'm getting in some electrolytes, but I'm still kind of guessing without knowing exactly what that number is. And for me, when I race, I know that because of my sweat rate, it's very hard for me to keep up yeah. with this amount of sweat loss over a, you know, typically I'm fine at the sprint and Olympic distance, but when mm -hmm. you get to half, right. you get to full, you're out there a lot longer. Right. If I'm not staying on top of this right. and I've got the I've got the electrolytes wrong, yeah. I end up in a pretty bad place where my stomach is empty. Right. I, even though I'm, I'm fueled, mm -hmm. I am still not feeling good. And yeah. I know yeah. that it's has something to do with sweat loss because my weight, I lose a ton of weight yeah. while racing. Right. Mm -hmm. And we so can see that on the spreadsheet for sure. Yeah. So if I could <laughs> dial this in, um, I'll have a better season. Yeah. So yeah. give us some metrics real quick. Uh, Rich, how tall are you? 
I am 6'1". And then current body weight? 166. 166. Okay, just so the listeners can kind of get a, a feel. Mm -hmm. He's got a great head of hair. He's got a, a little beard. <laughs> Good looking guy. All right. Wearing a UCAN shirt sitting across from us. Okay. And <laughs> if we were to ask you just perceived sweat rate, you know, do you feel like you're a low, medium, very high or high? You know, those kind of... Perceived very high. Very I high. can sit there on the bike for an hour and mm -hmm. I can sweat up two towels. Yeah. And a and a hat. I mean, mm -hmm. no, and still have a puddle underneath. Yeah, you've okay. got like the towels underneath, trying to catch yep. as much as possible. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and what about your saltiness level? Mm. Do you feel like you have, you know, a little bit of salt in your sweat, average, or quite a lot, or just no idea? No, I have that? a feeling that it's pretty good. I have a feeling that it's pretty high. Yeah. Pretty um, high. I have even been known to. Uh, uh, suck the sweat out of my the bill of my hat sometimes oh. on a long run when I run out of water. That's, there before. You, yeah, you, oh, wow, you, you know, you got to get pretty yeah, deep there, huh? Yeah. Okay. Uh, and, it's, and it's salty. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, any muscle cramping that happens with you? You know, stomach cramping. Not muscle mm -hmm. cramping, but mm -hmm. stomach cramping. Stomach. Okay. Is it is it lo longer in the session, like later? Later, or? much okay. later. Yeah, okay. like yeah, really, yeah. like if I'm, yeah. and it's not usually in training, yeah. but in racing. Yeah. I will get there sometimes during okay. a run, and that's okay. not a fun place to be. Right. right. Okay, so muscle cramping is not a thing. Not too bad. No, a little okay. bit maybe in the calves, mm -hmm. but yeah. yeah. Do you yeah. ever get headaches or start being a little foggy in the Definitely brain? foggy. foggy. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That okay. Uh, uh, yeah. You know, dizzy yeah. and you know, almost like it feels like someone just kind of bonked you on the head. Right. You know. And more so in heat. Or is that fairly heat, consistent? Yeah, heat. heat. Yeah, okay. Have definitely. you noticed a certain temperature? So we're all in Colorado, right? Mm -hmm. Is there a certain temperature threshold you have? And you're like, if it's above this, that's when these things really hit me. You know, uh, on short distances, no. Okay. You know, like I don't mind going out 100 degrees for right. a training training run for yeah. 35, 40 minutes an hour. Yeah. But man, if I'm racing and yeah. I've been out there for a while, gotcha. It's okay. yeah. So it's really I, I, you're talking the three, four, five hour mark. That's when it starts presenting a lot of that, issues. That's when I start okay. to see the shadows come. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the yeah, dark yeah. shadows come. Oh gosh. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, good. Let's see. What else would we want well, to know? Well, so just, and you mentioned about. it briefly, Rich, but tell us, so you're obviously during these training sessions currently, you're taking water and it looks like you're using UCAN energy powder for some of the sessions. Yep. And then UCAN hydrate and then precision fuel and hydration electrolyte tabs, correct? Yeah. Okay. So, and actually, I've, I've experimented with the tabs yeah. and just with the hydrate formula that's okay. in the in the packets. Right. Right. Oh, right. The powders. Yeah. You okay. know, um, yeah. those have a little bit of carbohydrate right. in them, a little right. bit of flavor, a little bit more flavor to them. Yeah. And, but then, ma'am, when I'm like late in a training session, yeah. I just want just the salt. Exactly. Yeah. You're craving okay. it. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So that sets up for so listeners, you know, that here's here's what he's doing nutritionally during these roughly two to two and a half hour sessions in terms of the products he's using, just to kind of give you. Uh, an idea of the setup here. Yes, and I mean, I think as part of that, understanding, you know, if there's a range of sodium in the bottle mm -hmm. uh, that you've been playing around with, because we may want to fine tune that. So I don't, I don't know if you recall exactly. For example, uh, mm -hmm. for a two-hour indoor trainer ride on your January twenty-second, Rich. 40 ounces mm. of you can hydrate yeah is are you putting a, about one scoop per bottle or that's one that? scoop per bottle okay. exactly just as prescribed yep. okay so, you have so two bottles 
Yep, okay. two bottles of that. Okay. So okay. I, you know, I've got a spreadsheet here somewhere with all of the uh, nutrition products and how much sodium's in there. Yeah. I can't remember off the top of my head. But yeah. But yeah, I, I tend to find that I, if the more sodium I have, the less, the lower my sweat rate. Yep, yep. Mm-hmm. And the better I feel. And the other thing, I, I, we were talking about this just before we started recording, that uh, was a pro tip I picked up from Amanda, Dr. Amanda Stevens, who was a pro, tri- oh, yeah. pro triathlete, retired pro triathlete. And uh, that is to take specific gravity measurements mm-hmm. uh, before and after. Mm-hmm so that you kind of know how hydrated you are based on the specific gravity, which is a urinalysis test, mm-hmm. uh, just to see how hydrated you are. The, the, you, know, you just don't know sometimes going into a session right. how hydrated you are, and that can really set you up for failure if Absolutely. you're not hydrated beforehand. I even, I've even been known to actually test uh, up in Boulder as yeah. I get out of my car before oh, yeah. I take my bike out, <laughs> I love uh, do a little test just to know how hydrated I yes. am before a race. Yes. So, And let's not describe this too much, but what how you're using this are P-strips. Yep, okay. exactly. Just so our listeners yeah. understand, like, what? how is he doing this? So that's why we're kind of cracking a smile because he's getting out of his car and using P-strips before his ride. <laughs> But I think to your point, because uh, I'm guessing we're all over the age of 35 here, maybe few, over 40. I don't know how old you are, Rich. Or, well, yeah. Anyway, as we age, we can't rely on our thirst yes. sense right. as much. Yep. So yep. doing, you know, this exploration, being curious uh, about changes as we age, as our performance mm-hmm. or fitness mm-hmm. changes, all that stuff, keeping in mind. So good on you for, uh, you know, taking these steps to really learn your body yeah. and kind of correlate all these things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Just trying mm-hmm. to, just trying to absolutely solve the puzzle. Yes. Yeah. Well, and let me, if I can intervene with USG testing. So let me, so you're in specific gravity is USG and let me just bring this to our listeners a little bit more. So super easy way to help you determine your hydration status. There are other ways we we've seen the color of your urine, which all, it, it's not accurate 100%. There's actually mm-hmm. nothing accurate 100% of the time, right? But what I love about this is Rich is bringing in different metrics, right? Yes. So he, he might be listening to his thirst. He might be looking at the color of his urine. He's using these USGP strips. I've used USG on athletes for, for years, mm-hmm. but it's never, and I want the listeners to understand, it's never just a one-time deal, right? You have to measure it consistently day after day after day. And it's, you can get the P strips. I've got the actual USG meter where literally you drop a couple drops of P in it. It'll tell you your urine specific gravity. No matter what you use, I think it's important to do it consistently because you can track the trends, right? And that's why we, we wear these rings and we do HRV and we do all this different thing because we're trying to get a better peak into our body, right? Yeah. So listeners, if you if you jump to jump off the USG or jump on the USG bandwagon, great, but you have to do it consistently. Absolutely, hands yeah. down. Yeah. 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 Cool. All right. So Dee, are we gravy. ready? Do we have all of our, our, well, oh, and while your guys are setting up, so Dina is now prepping Rich's forearm. Uh, this this test there? specifically just requires Rich to place his forearm on a table. I'm watching this right now. Dina's gonna prep it, uh, but with just a little bit of water, clean his skin. We did have him do a, a little artwork on his forearm. He had to shave just a little, probably about five or six inch space just to get some of the hair off because the, the discs we put on his forearm there are two discs that conduct electricity between each other to stimulate the sweat response. So Dina is just cleaning a little alcohol swab now, prepping the skin uh, while while we wait. I did want to uh, introduce this really quick because uh, what Dina was asking 
Rich in terms of that one training session he had on January 22nd. He used one scoop of UCAN hydrates in each bottle in two bottles per hour. And just to give you reference, one scoop is 300 milligrams of sodium. That will become important as we talk about the interpretation of what we found with Rich's sweat sodium concentration test. So just keep in mind for that two hour session, he had 600 milligrams of sodium. And I would probably say, Rich, that might be on the low end from your typical, I'm just looking at the spreadsheet, right? Yeah, okay. So I it's kind of on right. the lower end um, based on, on what he usually does, because and, and we'll share this more in the interpretation, but he can he can get up to, looks like about 1,500 milligrams, uh, you know, for a two hour session also. So I actually like that you're kind of going back and forth with experimenting this time of the year, because Rich, when is your first race? In four weeks, four in Galveston, 70.3. Okay, so Rich is heading out four weeks. Great timing, because that's what Dean and I usually recommend. Depending on the test, if you, can, if you can get this done about four to six weeks before your first event, it's ideal because we can make changes. And more importantly, you can actually start to experiment and use these changes in your last bit of training before you head out. Like the last thing you want to do is, you know, come come to us a week before and say, hey, what should I do, right? <laughs> I, I think, unfortunately, some athletes are still like that because we just don't know, right? But the more time you can give not only us to do the testing and, and figure this out with you, but for us to plan this with you and you can try it in training, the better off your race is actually going to be. And I know exactly. Rich, I've known Rich for years and I know he's a very wise man and actually does, uh, you know, does that, which is super, super helpful. Right. <laughs> you guys are too kind yeah. and um, I am super psyched to have this information going into this race. Oh yeah, yeah. It's going to be hot down there and humid. It's, so this oh, is a good, this is really important to do. When does this. it start changing down there? Uh, is it? I think it's it, getting close. Is it getting close? Yeah, because I heard, I mean, Texas was having some crazy ice storms. Yeah. 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 Uh, so we've got the gel pads and the electrodes on your left forearm ridge, uh, as you can see here. And so what I'm going to do is turn on this little inducer unit. It takes about five minutes. It sends a really light current to, uh, you know, these electrodes and that compound uh, in the gel pads reacts with the sweat glands. This is so slick. Turn them on, basically. Uh, I may have you just do this, if that's okay. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And we absolutely. just want to keep. Oh, sure. That works out great. Your sweat glands are going to get turned on today, Rich. I you love that. I hope you were prepared you for that. On your. Just do it right there. Yeah, then. that's okay. great. If that's okay for you. Yeah, that's great. It should work. And then once we um, go through the in induction part, we've got this collector patch or macro duct is what it's called and so there's a small hole there on the bottom and just that you know pressure on the skin and you starting to sweat the sweat will capture or be collected in this tube how fascinating um, so that's really all that you have to do is sit there <laughs> and keep your arm pretty steady are you feeling any I feel a little tingling. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. yeah just okay. a little yeah. feel a little tingle I can tell something's happening yeah Perfect. You're warming up. <laughs> so this uh, this ha this process with the electrodes goes on for five minutes. Five minutes. Yep. Okay, that's not bad. That's yep. really easy. So yeah. much easier than getting on a treadmill. Oh, it's super. And, and I mean, honestly, there's no stress, right? You're like literally. Yeah. Here's my forearm. Mm -hmm. Let's sit here for five minutes, right? And then you know the sweat induction process takes a little longer than five minutes, depending. Um, it, it's funny, Dean, and I know we've tested so many athletes with this. I remember one athlete I, I tested. 
she was not sweating. Like her sweat was just not being, con and it was a normal temperature, you know, 68, whatever, 72, whatever the normal room temperature is. I actually had to put her on a treadmill while we're trying to collect sweat from the forearm because we tried to increase her body core temperature. It, it was, it was, it, so we have some athletes who literally just do not sweat profusely. Right. And, and it does, you know, there are ways around that, but it, it took us a little longer um, to actually collect that sweat. I suspect with you, it's going to be probably within five to 10 minutes. Well, yeah, you know, I wonder about people who have a, such a slow sweat rate, yes. how they keep their body cool. Absolutely, right? Wow. Yeah, yeah. Well, and these, I mean, you can, I guess you could argue both. Like I'm, you know, with my high sweat rate too, like I try to pick races that if I can, aren't too hot, because I just know like you're just, whoo, you're going to overheat. Um, but there are some athletes who love the heat because of that, right? Yes, yeah, right, yeah. Right? And you're like, I love them to death. But I mean, for me, like I've got my temperature. If I can, go, and it depends on humidity, of course, but if I can get like under that 80 degrees, oh, it's gonna be a good race as long as I'm prepared. But like sweat-wise and hydration-wise, I'm sitting pretty. I'm like you, I like to be careful about the races I pick. Yes, yes. Too hot a race, oh, I, yeah. I cannot imagine. I mean, I would love to do Kona one day. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I've been, I've. Oh. Just for fun, run from the yeah. energy lab. Oh my gosh, oh, that's yeah. not that fun. No. <laughs> uh, Rich, what's your date of birth? October 6, nineteen sixty-seven. Dang okay. it! I just gave it away. I'm no longer thirty-five. Wait, October what? Six, Six nineteen sixty-seven. Got it. Got it. Okay. I think that makes you thirty-seven. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but I did age up this year, which is fun. Oh, that's good. You're low actually. The, yeah. I don't know if that works to my advantage. What I'm finding is uh, that uh, actually all the uh, competitive guys stick with the sports. Exactly. And, uh, exactly. Yeah. Well, it's the whole. <laughs> it gets new, tougher. Yeah. The the you know 50 is is the new 70. Like all uh, these different things. But I found that too. Like when you're in, I've been competing in triathlon endurance for many many years. Right? Me, yeah. 20s and 30s, you're like, okay, game on. And then once you get in your 40s, you're like, okay, who's gonna age? Like if I'm the low end of the bracket, I'm sitting pretty. But it is, once you get in the 50, 60, 70, you see all these guys and girls still competing, and now it doesn't even matter in those five-year age group categories. You're like, now we're all pretty much equal. And it's the whole aging continuum too, right? I mean, that's that's the cool balance, and we'll talk about this on a future episode, but aging and physiological adaptation happens, let's just say differently, right? Yep. 50s, 60s, 70s, I'm working with a lot of, actually three or four athletes right now who I coach are in their late 60s or early 70s, and it's it's awesome. Like as a coach, I'm in a dietitian. I'm like, wow. Like what's happening is so fantastic because they're still, I mean, really great performances. But training methodology and nutrition has to change significantly. I'll bet. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But they're still and like crushing and, it. Yeah. 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 Oh yeah. Recovery. Oh, well, I'm sure you and I have noticed this too. And oh and yeah. Dina, but just like, it's no joke. Like listeners, if you're probably under the age of 50, you're going to experience this pretty soon, right? When you're exercising or training, but it. When people say, oh, 50 or 40 or 50, whatever it is, um, they're not lying, right? It takes a lot longer to recover. It really does. You have to be so much smarter with your training and recovery plan. I mean, that's what I found. And I think the older you get, the more in tune you get with your body and True. you know how, you know, if you really did get a quality night's sleep the right. night before, right. you can really feel it in your legs. I mean, I, I mean, if I wake up at three o'clock in the morning yeah. after a big hard workout, right, right. My legs feel really, you know, might feel pretty beat up, but yes. if I can get a couple more sleep cycles in yes. and get to stay in bed until eight o'clock, all of a sudden exactly. I wake up and I'm like, wow, that feels so much better. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah. Do you track your sleep at all, Rich? HRV or sleep patterns? Or? I, I do, but in patterns. Okay. You know, okay. Yeah. 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 I just want to. Bits and patterns. Yeah. yeah. 
because I noticed Dina's flashing the ring today. Uh, I've been yeah. testing out the Aura ring. Yeah, I would love to try that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. How have you? How long have you been testing it, Dina? About a month okay. now. Just going on a month. Yeah. yeah. So what I've heard, I haven't had too many people use it yet consistently, right? But I've heard that it, you do have to use it for a few months just to start looking at the trends. Yes. And and then how do you change your sleep patterns based on what you're seeing? Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Okay. So we have the sweat inducer is done. The five minutes is up. Dina right. is now taking off the straps, and we're going to see a nice little circle of sweat on the Look red conductor. You can hear the Velcro so coming up. Oh yeah, beads Look at of that. sweat. You're so starting to sweat. Yep. So we want to get in there and capture the, your sweat sample. Um, this part, Rich, helps if can you just lightly, not too hard, just sure. lightly, just pull that, and then we'll get this. I feel like we're wrapping a present here. Yeah, a very special present. <laughs> So Dina is now putting what's called a macro duct on the on Rich's arm where he is sweating just a little Thank bit. You. And That's it's not great. a lot of sweat. It's not like you normally see. It's just a little bead of sweat here. And then the macro duct, it has a little bit of a dye in it and it will collect his sweat in the next five to usually 20 minutes, depending on his rate of sweat. And we'll be able to see it because that I can actually see it happening right now. Uh, it's starting to collect. There's a blue dye and it'll fill up the circles. And, so if you can yeah. just keep I'm going to set a new flat. set a new record here, maybe. Yeah. You actually will. I'm going to set my timer and see how long it takes. Does that feel okay? Feels great. Not, yeah, okay. feels good. That's great if you just keep arms steady I and will. flat. So um, we are all gazing at Rich's arm, admiring this blue dye in the in the circle that's collecting. We'll collect probably about mm, what, Dean, about half to three quarters. Somewhere around yeah, there. We'll yeah, we'll see. Yeah, see how fast he sweats. But so that blue line there will expand mm -hmm. in the dot there. Okay. Yep. yep. It just goes. Cool. It'll just go around the circle. Oh, I it'll see. Just keep going. Okay. Yep. And then once we pull this, the, there's actually tubing. Um, it's a long piece of tubing oh, that's I in see. there that we'll take out. It's like this. Yeah. Basically. It's just like that little piece of tubing. Yep. Yep. Now uh, we'll put it through the machine, and Dina will do her do her wonders. How many hours are you training each week currently? I am training between 12 and 14 hours a week. Okay. What training cycle would you classify yourself in? Race preparation. Okay. And yeah. listeners, as you remember, he's four weeks out from his first race. Exactly. And how would you answer this question? How much of your training is done in a hot environment right now? So indoor training uh, that feels hot to you? Uh, probably 90% of my training is indoors, it seems like mm -hmm. right now. Maybe okay. 75, maybe 75%. Yeah. yeah. And I know with the sweat rate tests you've done, it's in the 60s, mm -hmm. yep. temperature-wise, mm -hmm. Fahrenheit. Uh, to me, to me that's hot, but mm -hmm. for others yeah. it's not. Um, but would you say, you know, what is hot I, I, don't, I consider, for me personally, <laughs> yeah. I don't consider it to be hot until yeah. it's like mid-80s. Right. Okay. Mid so right now, not doing yeah, probably, I was, Yeah, I would say pretty much nothing at that temperature. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. Even indoors, yeah. And so Dina is, is asking Richie's questions because she's actually filling, uh, she's acquiring this data for an That's online great. software where the, she'll, it'll, it'll collect all this data for us and, and give us some great interpretation in addition to what we'll talk to Rich about afterwards. 
Yeah, so sweat rate, you were saying earlier you feel perceived sweat rate is very high. I do, yeah. Okay. And this question, how much salt do you think you lose in your sweat? You indicated earlier you feel like it's... Quite it's a bit. I would say quite a bit. Quite a bit. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I, I can see it on the bill of my cap. I can see it on the heart mm -hmm. rate monitor mm -hmm. or heart rate strap on my clothes. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Okay. And muscle cramping is not a thing for you. Would you rarely. say never? I would say rarely. rarely. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, all right. So we will keep on sweating for a while. I've almost done a lap here. Nice. Cool, cool. Gone around the track. <laughs> yeah, so this part, as Bob was saying earlier, is variable in time to collect an appropriate sweat sample. We mm -hmm. usually see this correlation between, you know, the heavier sweaters, the more quickly they fill this tube of, you know, for the sweat sample collection. Mm -hmm. and. Like your galley, you were mentioning, right. some people take a long time. Right, they right. happen to also not be heavy sweaters right. or yeah. high output. Um, so yeah, it's interesting to see the correlation. Yeah. yeah, it really is. Well, and that's, I mean, it's kind of the whole test don't guess, right? I mean, if yeah, we're absolutely. just spending our life guessing, we have no idea, like like that true north, like where is it? We don't, we don't know if we're going towards it or away from it. Well, you know, and it's, you know, you put on your coaching hat, right? And you're working with an athlete and, you know, especially an athlete that's maybe new to the sport, maybe new to long distance in particular where hydration mm -hmm. and nutrition become so important. And they're paying you to, they're paying you to have, have success, right? They're right. paying you to help them reach that goal. And, you know, my feeling is I, I don't want to guess at anything, right? right. I, I, right. I, anything that I'm guessing at is a risk to their day, a risk to them having a good day, a risk yep. to them enjoying the finish line when they exactly. meet their family at the end exactly. of the day. Yep. And my, that, you know, the way I position it is like, those are questions we should answer to make sure you have a good day. To, yes. to every, we want to take out every little line of risk mm -hmm. that that day is going to go bad. Right, right. Yeah, absolutely. It's. It's funny, I wanna touch on some because obviously our listeners will come from really different backgrounds, different sports. And you've mentioned a couple times where you start seeing some major hydration electrolyte challenges after a few hours. So just to address, like even our, the athletes that are listening, if you're, if you're just doing something under an hour, under two hours or whatever it is, and maybe it's even indoors, right? Maybe you're a team sport athlete. This information is still very, very important because like I've used this information with, with the gymnast I, I work with, right? And it's, they've got three and a half hours of indoor practice. They don't see the sunshine, it's very temperate, but they're sweating a ton. Like, so I just wanna make sure that everyone understands this isn't just for a, a high level triathlete or a recreational triathlete or like it's for everyone to get better metrics to understand mm -hmm. how your body is is reacting to different things. Yeah. I love that. And you know, the other thing that I think, you know, I think I picked up on this from your um, from one of your more recent episodes mm -hmm. too is making sure you're well hydrated before and during oh, yeah. during an exercise or a, a training session, even if it's just an hour long and yeah, sure you can go out for 6 miles and come back and you're and you're you didn't have anything to drink and, mm -hmm. and did you die? No. Did you, you know, are, are you going to be okay? Yes. But that's still pretty stressful in your body, right? right? You're totally. still not treating you're not treating yourself as well as you should. You're not being as healthy as you should. You yep. should be hydrating even if you can get by with nothing. Yes. That doesn't mean you should. Right. 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 Well, and it will affect your recovery. Like I'm I'm the poster child for that. Like in back in the days, right? I used to I used to train a lot. I mean, I still do, right? But I can hit a trail run for 2 hours and I will literally chew a piece of gum. Yeah. I don't do that anymore cuz I'm cuz cuz 
you know, you, you get home and you're like, yeah, I did it. I'm not dead. I'm fine. But then the next day you feel horrible. And then it takes another day of, and you're like, you just lost some opportunities for training. Yeah, right? yeah, you've really kind of sabotaged your training for the rest Absolutely. of the week in a way. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. And sleep patterns too. I, I know I, with myself, and I don't need a tracker of this. It's just like, wow, I wake up in the middle of the night if I'm severely dehydrated. Right. So and then, you know, it's that whole thing where you don't want to drink too much before bed mm -hmm. because then you're going to interrupt your sleep because you have to go get up and go to the bathroom. Right. So it's right. like the hydration piece is so crucial. And I guess for our listeners, we have to really probably accentuate that as much as possible. Like it's fueling is it's totally undervalued. Right. And we talked about fueling with our, our nutrient timing episode with our pre-training. But we really, really need to emphasize this hydration, electrolyte, because I mean, obviously we need water, we're gonna die, right? Um, you know, food we can go a little bit longer without that, but the hydration piece is so crucial, not only for performance, but also health, especially healthy aging, right? Yeah, absolutely, mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, yeah. All right, okay, so we are, looks like, let's see, with my stopwatch, we are seven minutes and 30 seconds into yeah. the sweat collecting. And you know, sometimes how this is attached or, you know, the Velcro strips, it this positioning can be shifted around a little bit. So, I mean, every test I have done seems to be different in terms of, uh, well, various things yeah. here, but yeah, yeah. I'm not worried one bit. No, Rich, we're all. gonna get an adequate sample, and honestly, we don't need much of a sample yeah. to, uh, like, it's not as if you need to sweat a boatload. I expected load. to fill that thing up and. I know, right? 30 yeah. seconds. Yeah. There might be some under yeah. here, too, that we're not capturing, but we'll get enough here in the next few minutes that we'll be able to analyze it. All right. So um, I think this, Dina, you were going to say something? Yeah, well, I was just looking at Rich's sweat rate. That's exactly what I was going to talk okay. about. Go, go for it. Well, it looks like Rich, because um, these were mostly bike sessions or run, bike, brick session, right? Which is a run off the bike for you non-triathletes. And and what I did is I only took the measurements for the bike session. Oh, okay. So, you know, I put a little note in yep. there where there was a brick run afterwards yep. just so I Got could it. say, how did I feel on the right. run right. from the two hours of training and hydration, right? So those are really easy yep. zone two brick runs. Yep. Perfect. Um, just for two miles. Yeah. Okay. Good. And your post, so you weighed yourself before. You, and you did your USG measurement on a number of these. And the post weight, is that after the bike? or After the, the bike. It mm -hmm. is after the bike. Yep. Okay, and, I and for the most part, I think on all of these, none of these included a um, any kind of, you know, having to pee during, you know, okay. I was fine That's during good. it. So we could keep it as pure as yeah. possible. Yep. No excretion. Bob, I love what Rich did here. Uh, yeah. Because noting subjectively, yes. as you were just saying, how important, because we can have all the numbers in the world, mm -hmm. but what if you feel like junk at this number mm -hmm. and we're not noting that, right. and then four months later we have this massive spreadsheet, yeah. and I'm like, well, how did you feel? We can look right. at metrics, like your power, you mm -hmm. sustain, and all mm -hmm. that stuff. Yeah. But as you were saying earlier on, we also want to have a fun day racing. Right. So if we can make, you know, these ties to yeah. the subjective, Absolutely. objective, I love yeah. that. Well, and, and, and good to note, I mean, and I know Rich does this too, but in coaching athletes, I always, I'm going to use the word require, both the quantitative and qualitative, 
And because it's such a big piece of the puzzle that sometimes we miss, like, how'd you feel during that run? How'd you feel during that swim, during that practice, whatever it is, right? Because you do, you get to learn your body better, right? And yeah. we know there's some error, like if you're using, if you've ever used rating and perceived exertion on a one to 10 scale, right? We know there's error because some of us just don't grade our bodies that well. But during or after a training session, we can certainly say, I felt great or I felt like you know what, right? And so I think, and, and especially if you're using like an online training log, it, it has those those little smiley faces sometimes, you could put numbers in there, whatever. I just have my athletes type in, this is how I felt. Like yeah. literally, like type in, write down whatever you want, that is what is crucial. Mm -hmm. And that's what Rich has provided us today in, in one of the columns for his, for his data collection. Yeah, yeah, it's really great to get those notes from your athletes. Oh yeah. Well, because again, you can look at numbers, but numbers don't tell you everything, right? You have to look at the whole person. It's kind of that holistic approach, right? And scales are subjective, right? Totally. Yeah, you, yeah, you, yeah. Lo you love to hear the language that yes, people use, yes, you know? Yes, yes. Yeah. And so Rich, with your sweat rates that you've captured here, in our sample, what, what do we have here, Bob? Six, seven mm -hmm. tests yep. of riches, which is an amazing start here, given that it's you know towards the end of February. We've already got some good yeah. data that Rich has collected. Uh, I mean, it looks like your sweat rates, and Bob, you can fill in, mm -hmm. but I mean, it looks like you know around a liter, upwards yep. of one and a quarter liter per hour. Yep. Depending on the session and duration, for sure. Yep, I did notice like one of your the the one run that we have, the outdoor run, definitely sweat rate was higher for that one, and mm -hmm. obviously that just talks about economies of movement and increased thermoregulation through with with running versus cycling. And uh, I guess, Rich, one quick question: When you're cycling, do you have a fan blowing on you? I do. Okay, that's a great okay. question. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I usually yeah. have a fan right there. Okay. Yeah. yeah. On the indoor to help for sure. <clears throat> yeah. yeah. Okay. Not that that affects sweat rate, but it does affect how he feels. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. And so just for a reference, we were saying, you know, looks like around a liter, mm -hmm. liter and a quarter per hour of, of fluid loss. I mean, if we just talk, you know, what does the research mm -hmm. say in terms of endurance athletes, uh, you know, sweat rates, of course, it's so variable between athletes and even within right. an athlete. but. I would say a liter per hour, Rich, is is fairly typical. Yeah, yeah. it's kind of right in the middle. But yep. these were 60 degree, you had the fan Yeah, on, yeah so right? Mean, Imagine that at 80, 85, yes. 90, okay. humid. Yes. Yeah, right. Exactly. Yep. So that will be cool. I mean, I don't know, Bob, what you've seen, like your top end sweatiest person. Oh, yeah. But I've seen, I had a guy a number of years ago, uh, probably 6'4", yeah. and totally like ripped and everything uh, runner and he was sweating almost two liter two mm -hmm. liters per hour mm -hmm. at I think a seven minute mile yeah. I mean it was you yeah. know yeah. a decent clip for sure yeah. but I mean yeah these were uh, you know not his race mm -hmm. pace that was like a right. moderately easy run for yeah. him and so a lot of fluid loss. Uh, what have you seen for your Same top? thing. I mean, I think we see the range half a liter to one and a half, I think, is the standard. And yeah. you'll have those outliers for sure. Um, and, and just really quickly, so a liter is roughly 33 ounces, just for our our listeners who don't look at the, the metrics or don't work with the metric system. I know me personally, I'm right around 1.5 liters. Are you? Until it gets above 80 degrees. And then it's like, oh, I need oh. to do, I need to be very strategic with my electrolytes so I can 
help that thermoregulatory system kind of reduce the amount that I'm losing. Yeah. But, and, and again, it's just for me, it's that 80 degree mark, it's make or break. Yeah. Yeah. So let me ask you guys, what do you think in terms of, you know, what should your target be if you're trying to replace those, mm. that replace that? Should you be trying to maintain your body weight, trying, mm. to, trying to keep it at what it was? Is there a certain yeah. percent, yeah. you know, that, you know, you don't want to go behind in terms of, because I also track my percent of right. sweat loss. You can see here's my own personal yeah, spreadsheet yeah. that I pulled it off of, oh, okay. and I, I keep see. the percent Right. Loss of body weight loss too. So listeners, we're looking at probably a third of a percent all the way up to 2.6% change in Rich's body weight. Just looking at that data quickly, yep. right? Yep. So yeah. it's, and it's a great question. And it, it's a little bit of a slippery slope, right? Mm -hmm. We know in, in research states, when I say we know, it's research stating less than or more than a 2% body weight loss usually starts to affect performance. Um, I've seen some athletes even less a, as a 1%, even a half a percent starts to affect their cognitive functioning, maybe not physical performance. But here's the thing too, you look at these outliers, like they've done uh, research and testing on these Kenyan runners, right? Mm -hmm. And they're losing five, six, seven percent of their body mass over you know a two hour and change marathon and no change in performance at right. all, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. So I would argue there's a little yeah. bit of a genetic component, there's a training component, there's an environmental stress component. So I think overall my message is if we can keep it below two or 3% loss, then we're in a great, a great setting for sure. Yeah. yeah, I think that speaks to the, uh, I like to call it, I don't know if I got this from someone else, yeah. the personal dehydration threshold. Oh, because okay. you may yeah. still feel awesome yeah. at a 3% yeah. loss. Yeah. Whereas I am tanking right. that 1% right. change in that fluid loss. So I think this tracking that you do and listeners, if you're into that as well or not doing it yet, it's mm -hmm. a great yep. uh, activity to add on is just tracking and bringing in that subjective. Like, ooh, I started to feel crappy at the end of this session. Right. And by the way, look at this. I had 4% mm -hmm. fluid yeah. loss. It's just so. knowledge, right? Exactly. It's, yeah, it's yeah. a little nerdy, but it's, yeah. uh, but it's knowledge. Yeah. 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 Well, and I think good rule of thumb is if you can keep, like listeners, try to keep your fluid loss to less than 2%. I think that's ideal. If it's between like 2 to 4%, I think you could probably get away with it, but you're going to pay for it probably in the recovery for sure, right? Yeah. It's going to be slower. Yeah. But to answer try to mm -hmm. more specifically rich's question like if we know we lose a liter per oh, hour yeah. in these settings how much should we be drinking yes to of that liter mm -hmm. loss mm -hmm. to replace or replenish mm -hmm. yeah i tend to use some percentages yeah. to start the process yeah. like let's look at 70 to 80 percent mm -hmm. see how you feel mm -hmm. uh but if you were losing two liters per hour, right? right. Now we're asking you to drink yeah. so much more, and right. now we have to start training mm -hmm. the gut to do that. Yep. Practice is that reasonable? Mm -hmm. Is it? How do you do that when you're running, etc.? Exactly. So yeah. all of the like, oh yeah, and have that all documented so they can go right into your race yes. plan. So you know, kind of hour by hour, you yeah. can you you know what the temperature hourly temperature is going yep. to be. You know what your race intensity is going to mm -hmm. be. Now take this and now bring it all the way back and yeah. apply it to your race strategy. So you know exactly how much. What, what's my target per hour on the bike? What's right. my target yes. per hour on the run? Yeah. Yep. 
what product yeah. is you know, going to work best for me. But it gets tricky. I mean, there's so much to oh, get, yeah. right, Bob? Yeah. Like if you think of our ultra yeah. runners uh -huh. and or in extreme environments, and yep. you can layer on the complexities. Mm -hmm. Well, and, and, and to add to that, what is their sport? Right, and you right. mentioned the swim to bike to the roll, well, bike and run, exactly. really, because you're not doing any swimming, but I mean, in gastric emptying. So we know oh. the stomach can only handle a certain amount of ounces before it gets right. just full, like it's that balloon that's going to pop, right? But right. your stomach's not going to pop. But we know we know that is roughly probably one and a half liters, somewhere around there. Mm -hmm. But if they're a cyclist, usually we can get away with having them consume a little bit more. If they're a runner, a lot less, right? Yeah. Because they just cannot, right? And even like a lot of team sport athletes, they are subjected to when coaches or when the water breaks are. So now we, we, we see these team sport athletes not able to consume enough because it's not under their reserve. It's like they are dictated based on when the breaks are, right? Yeah. So th it does make it tricky. And I know, Dina, you want to factor this in because I know you always love talking about this. <laughs> Obviously, we're testing Rich. He is a male. But mm -hmm. females in hydration and menstrual cycle, not that we have to hit that too much, but yeah. there are differences there too, right? Yes. I mean, I think some of this is a little debatable, right, the degree right. to which we need to modify yep. hydration strategies. But for our uh, women who are naturally menstruating, so mm -hmm. not on oral contraceptives, uh, you know, in that higher hormone phase, mm -hmm. Uh, we've got a rise in body temperature. Right. Um, mm, we yeah. may have, depending on the environment in which we're training, we may need to put in a little, this is what I've seen in yeah. a way, a little more purposeful hydration, sodium, yes. around those training sessions mm -hmm. in yeah. high hormone phase. But exactly. the degree to which it changes, I right. mean, it's not, you know, 20-fold, yeah. right? right? But right. There are still minor changes, though, mm -hmm. that you have to consider, yeah. yeah. But but again, kind of swinging back to Rich's question, like how much? If I'm right. if I'm losing a liter, do I do I just intake a liter? Do I just consume a liter? I would say overall, no, right? Their strategy, and this is why we're testing sweat sodium concentration, because we're looking at the combination of what do electrolytes do in addition to the water intake? Mm -hmm. Like if you're, like with your example of the, the guy sweating two liters, like I'm gonna tell you to drink two liters an hour, like who can do that? Right. So right. we're going to get creative with the electrolyte intake because that will help the body absorb the water and maybe your guy only has to do a liter per hour or one and a half, like whatever it is, right? But that's that's the beauty of why we're testing. So we have both pieces of the, the equation, not just one. And right. Because then, then we're still guessing, right? Yeah. Okay, so we're at, let me let me see my timer. We're at 21 minutes. You know, I think, I think we have enough here, Bob. Um, and I'm guessing there's a little shifting mm -hmm. of this yep. placement so i think i think we're gonna go ahead and all right collect i'm, I'm all yours uh let's see you can put back right. here and i'll just dig out the top plastic so now piece. dina is just taking this little tube that has collected rich's sweat she is taking that off of this little device called the macro duct and then she will attach that to a machine that she's going to push and pull his sweat through, and that gives us automatically the millimoles of sodium contained in his sweat. So that's why you hear this little, uh, this little pause in the, in the discussion part because Dina puts on her scientist eyes and hat right now and looking at trying to thread the needle, literally, mm -hmm. right? <laughs> These old eyes need a little help sometimes. <laughs> 
But Rich, that was pretty painless, wasn't it? That was really painless. I mean, really, this is great. You just don't even have you just sit there, which is which is totally cool. So we're just creating a little that up. vacuum that here up. so your sweat will stay in that too. I'm going to give you your arm back. All right, Tina's wiping his arm Thank off. You. Wow, that he is painless. done. And so that was, you know, a 21-minute collection. Uh, I, w I don't know if there's an average or not, but it's pretty pretty much what I see. For I would say, yeah. yeah. And now Dina is prepping the tube to put into this machine so she can push and pull his little quantity of sweat. So this is kind of nice because I know, Rich, you actually did a sweat patch testing in the past too, right? I did, Put yeah. It on your arm. A couple and, years ago. Yep. And um, I have since misplaced the report. Right. I cannot remember what the number is. <laughs> I, I, I see her going, I wonder if I can guess the number. Yeah. Oh, that's see. a tough let's, one to let's guess. Let's go with 1,100. Yeah, yeah. I got 10 bucks on, uh, no, I'm <laughs> Yeah, yeah, really. Over right. under, what's the yeah, over under? But talk to us about that sweat patch testing versus what you just had, like pros, or not pros, cons, but the differences. Just the difference, yeah, yeah, yeah. sure. You know, that was um, very similar to the, uh, the position of the um, putting patches on the forearm. Mm -hmm. But then doing a, uh, I can't remember exactly what the duration was. Maybe it was 30 minutes on the treadmill gotcha. at yep. a set um, intensity. Yep. And in that case, they were also doing the sweat rate test. Gotcha. So you did the, you know, go into the bathroom, right. you know, yeah. you weigh yourself Measure, naked, yeah. that sort of thing. Okay. Or, you know. um, <clears throat> but, you know, obviously it's a little longer of a test. Right. Right. Uh, a little bit more preparation involved. Yeah. Uh, a little bit more effort involved on the. Yeah. On the uh, on the uh, um, on behalf of the subject, mm -hmm. if you will. Yep. Um, and uh, you know, I, it's hard to speak to the accuracy, but right. you know, the technology has probably changed in right. the last uh, last few years Absolutely. too. So I'm sure. Well, and that was supervised, correct? So you were in a lab doing, and they were supervising it. They took the patch off. Or were oh, you yeah. on your own? Oh no, this was okay. uh, this was at um, CU Sports Medicine okay. uh, with Dr. Nigo Samalan yep. uh, supervising, and gotcha. yeah, he had his techs yeah. uh, administering the test, okay. and then and then did they actually analyze? They analyzed right, right, there. right there. Okay. Yeah, okay. they put it in a little spectrometer or something yep. like that, gotcha. and spit out a number, yep. and and then result-wise interpretation, what were you given? Uh, well, that that's like the funny a, thing. I can't yeah. find it, so I don't okay. remember exactly. But I do. I, I think that there was a report involved. Okay. Okay. Uh, yeah. Somewhere, but I yeah. just don't seem to yeah. have it. <laughs> so, Dina, Dina, do you want to do that? I'm sorry. I was I was stealing Rich, and do, do you want oh, to watch yeah. what she's doing? Oh yeah. Um, as she's pushing and pulling the sweats or the so or the sweat through here. So basically, here. yeah, we have this syringe that we just or that I slowly, you know, pushed your sweat sample through the analyzer unit that we've got here. So it's measuring the ion concentration and giving us a reading in millimoles of sodium per liter of sweat. Um, and I'm just letting it, the sample sit there for a second and it's registering at 29 millimoles is the peak value. Mm. So Rich, I mean mm. that that means nothing to you right now, but no. for us, we're like, I'm scratching my head. Interesting. <laughs> for millimoles to milligrams conversion, this is actually, you know, more in this lower category. Really? All yeah. Right. Uh, so that converts over to about, we'll just round for the purposes of our conversation, uh, 600 milligrams, 594 to be specific. Uh, but I'll round 600 milligrams of sodium per liter of sweat. 
And so the Precision Fuel and Hydration Company provides this categorical type of ranking uh, based on their data set, which is over 10,000 athletes. You know, where do you fall on the spectrum? So the low end being around, you know, 180 milligrams of sodium per sweat per liter of sweat, upwards of about 2,300 milligrams. So you're at 600, you're kind of in this lower bucket. Well, that's, um, that's kind of good news, I think. It's that's great news. I am beaming with a smile right now. <laughs> but we, you're kind of aligning with what Bob has mm -hmm. seen, I think, where you you sweat a fair amount, right? So you feel like you're a salty sweater, but that's because you sweat quite a bit. Right, sure. But per liter, it's actually not, it's not that bad. off the charts, which, which is favorable when we're trying to, you know, fine tune your electrolyte and drinking strategies. So I'm gonna give Rich a fist bump really quick because I'm so proud of him, even though he didn't really do anything. Like you, yeah, you can't right. affect this, right? Nope. But it's but it's exactly <laughs> like the case I was saying. Like you conserve your body conserves its sodium, which means your hydration sodium plan becomes so much easier, especially right. for long course, right? right? Absolutely. And this is anything over three hours, this is where it becomes super crucial. So you should be like, all right. Like that's the way I was too when I found mine out. <laughs> So what I'm doing for the listeners that can't see, uh, I'm just going over to your sweat rate collection sheet and putting in your actual measured value here that we've got. And now what we do, just thinking mathematically, okay, we've got these samples for how much you sweat. So if you're sweating over a liter per hour, but we know per liter it's about 600. We just do some simple math to figure out your sodium loss per hour mm -hmm. and then you know and we can talk as much as you'd like like what that means in terms of fluid consumption and what should be in the fluid exactly and we haven't really talked about what you use for fueling either so we can bring mm -hmm. that into the conversation since we want to account for all sodium you know that mm -hmm. you're bringing in so Dina, I looking at the spreadsheet and typing in his number. Yeah. And just correct me in just in case, because obviously I just looked at this this spreadsheet this morning. But once I type in his measured sweat concentration, so sweat sodium concentration of five ninety four, I am seeing you know those those sessions we we kept referencing listeners his two hour indoor bike rides that he'd had really easy to look at because they were all two hours, they were all indoors, roughly the same temperature indoors. So what I'm seeing is his sweat sodium loss per hour just on those three rides, because again, kind of comparing an apple to an apple, it ranges between 372 milligrams of sodium to 569 milligrams of sodium per hour. Am I reading that correctly, Dina? Yeah, I okay. mean, if we go up to the very first test yep. that he did on January 15th, that one's a little bit higher, yep. right? Because yep. that his sweat rate was about 1.25, mm -hmm. we'll call it, so one and a quarter liter, or yep. 42 ounces. Yep. Yep. So his sodium loss, therefore, would be higher mm -hmm. at about, <clears throat> average per hour, at about 730. Right, and let's bring this in real quick before I come back to this. I also look at your average heart rate and if you had power data, right? Because that tells me as a coach, what zone is he in? Is he uh -huh. in his, because I think you mentioned you were kind of in zone two, but are we low, are we mid, are we high, right? 
for the most part. So I see like that one you just referenced, you know, where he did lose a little bit more sweat sodium per hour. His heart rate average was a little bit higher than some of the other sessions we were just talking about. Now, obviously there's a physiological adaptation of improved fitness with this whole thing too over time. So that was January 15th. And now we're looking at the three other sessions. We're looking at one to four weeks later, right? So there is a fitness fitness uh, improvement there also. But what I find, and we can talk about this, I find it's interesting if we just look at those three data points I just referenced, where Rich was losing 372 milligrams of sodium per hour all the way up to 569 for those three rides. And we just said that he his sweat sodium concentration is 594. Well, for two of those rides, you were pretty darn close to matching your needs. For one, it was a little bit under, and I would be really curious, you do not have USG data on that, but it, you know what we can start doing is putting this whole picture together because again, the ride, it looked like at least from a heart rate standpoint, that ride was probably a little bit more aerobic with that 130, right? That was the uh, February 12th data. Yep, got yep. that one, okay. absolutely. Yep, yep. So we're starting to put this puzzle together for Rich now. And, and Dina, what are, you, what are you seeing there? Yeah, I mean, I think, I think Rich could definitely, uh, I wouldn't want him, as far as fluid consumption, I don't think Rich, the, if we talk in ounces per hour, I mean, I don't think it makes sense to drink any less than mm -hmm. 20 ounces per mm -hmm. hour, but, you know, we're looking at the conditions that you were riding in, right? So zone two-ish, you know, 60 some degrees. So I'm just thinking of Texas yeah. coming up for you or other hot races you may mm -hmm. have, trying to push up your fluid yep. consumption yep. per hour, um, since we know that's pretty essential to supporting your, your performance or sustained power that you want to achieve or maintain, I suppose. Um, Here's another just interesting thing I picked out because Rich gave us mostly cycling data from his, his indoor bikes. He has one outdoor run and this was done just a few days ago. It looked like it was about one and a half hours, just over one and a half hours, right? Yep. Uh, 141 heart rate, is that mostly aerobic or what, what zone is that for you? Uh, there was, um, in that run, there was 20 minutes of zone three. Okay, which but is a mostly zone, But mostly zone two. Okay, okay, so you had a little bit of a tempo pickup in there. Uh, one and a half hours and, and change a little bit. Weather outside was 52 degrees. Here's what I thought was really interesting. Your sweat sodium loss per that session was now 738 milligrams of sodium. So we're putting this together, and obviously, Rich is a triathlete, three different sports. This is going to this is why it's so important for especially triathletes because we do three different sports, right? His sweat sodium concentration, at least on the data we have now on his indoor bike rides, is a lot less, but his outdoor run was a lot more. So even though his body is conserving sodium better the run is a much higher stressor of sodium loss for you, even in cooler conditions. Like sure. I can't imagine once you get, I mean, to Texas or even 70.3 Boulder here when we actually do have some heat, like this is, this is interesting. I know, yeah. 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 I think it speaks to as for triathletes, you know, on the bike, we cannot neglect hydration yes. and yep. electrolyte, you know, inputs here, right? Because yep. then your run, once you get behind. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that begs the question, Dina, which I hear from a lot of athletes, triathletes specifically, is like, if, if, if I'm, so if I'm rich and I'm losing more sweat sodium, I'm losing more so sodium and sweat on the run versus the bike, 
should I load a little bit more, take a little bit more on the bike, preparing for my higher loss rate of sodium on the run? Mm -hmm. I hear that all the time, right? And yep. I'm sure you hear it from your athletes too. I, I do. What and do we do. It, yep, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. What's the answer? I think uh, I, I love this, and, and we've done a, a podcast where you've actually uh, ticked off how many times we say it depends, uh -huh. right? So I think it does depend, right? Yeah. In this case, because I know Rich and I know how he's competing and everything, I would say I would push that up a little bit because here's the thing you have a low so sodium concentration already. There's no foul, no harm in pushing that up a little bit more on the bike to prepare for that run in a hotter environment. Absolutely. Right. Now, if, you, if it's a sprint or, or only distance, no. I mean, follow, I mean, it's fine, right? Yeah. But especially based on what you've been, you, you, you know, no muscle cramping, but you still have issues with hydration. And like, that's what gets me. I'm like, yeah, why don't we push that a little bit higher? I might even get around that run sweat sodium loss amount on the bike, or maybe a smidget higher. And that, because we know on the run too, it's very difficult to consume a lot of sodium while you're doing a half marathon or a full marathon. It's just, we can't carry it. I mean, you, sometimes you rely on aid stations, sometimes you don't. So I, you know, that rolling buffet on the bike is such an easy way to actually methodically plan your nutrition. And then on the run, it's like, well, what can I carry? What do I put in my special needs bags? Or what may they have yeah. at the aid stations that maybe I can use, right? Right. Yeah, so that's how I would see this strategy. I like that. Yeah. I, I like uh, hitting um, hitting T2 yeah. at, you know, as close to what I started with yes. Yes. at the beginning of the bike, so right. I'm starting fresh. Right. It's almost like starting a half marathon Absolutely. From, from scratch. You Absolutely, know? yeah. And I mean, let's not forget, obviously, we're just talking about some moments in time. We also need to, really, and, and listeners, keep in mind that daily nutrition matters, right? Daily hydration matters. Like if you're traveling, especially, sometimes that interrupts our normal nutrition, our normal hydration. So be very weary of that. And I always tell athletes, try to maintain your normal eating and hydration schedule when you're traveling. If you're driving, if you're on an airplane or whatever, that's what's crucial in those few days beforehand. Like we'd have the best plan here set out for race day. But if you kind of mess things up that day or two before, three days before, then it's like, oh, how much can this actually work? Or how, right. how successful can we be? How much sodium can I can an individual use on average or lose yeah. before it starts to affect their performance? You know, like so we talk about you know calorie loss, right? right? Like, you know, how right. much how much glycogen do you have stored? Right. And you have a limited amount of glycogen. Is there yeah. some equivalent of that to, with sodium? Well, Dee, I'll take it first and I'll tee you up. Okay. I am not familiar with any research to state that because the body, it loves to be in homeostasis when it comes to, to sodium levels, right? So it will regulate that very finitely because it doesn't, I mean, doesn't want to die basically, mm -hmm. right? So I've never seen those, any, any of those numbers published in terms of a quantity because it's always, now you get the extremes. You get the people finishing Kona, they're in the med tent and it's, yeah, they are completely hyponatremic, right? Low blood sodium, those are extremes. I don't think that is obviously we can't put that in the population data, right? Um, but that does happen from time yeah. to time. I don't. I'm not familiar with any numbers, hard quantitative numbers in terms of a of a sodium level, though. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. You, have you heard anything? No. Before? I mean, the only thing I was thinking is that hyponatremia right. situation, right. which you know, we have to put ourselves in that context yeah. and know I mean educating and practicing all this stuff well in advance but just knowing on the flip side to turn it around a bit we can't over drink yeah. water right. exactly right. right so but very what good message. is that for yeah. you yeah. you know that's going to be yeah 
very can you, individual. Can you say that one more time for our listeners, Dina? Yes. Just the, me- what did I the say? message of, of not over-drinking <laughs> water. over-drinking water. Because I see that a lot in new newer people getting into any sport. They, they just think, I need to stay hydrated. And the first thing is water, 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 water. You can flush or dilute your blood sodium stores so much, you can become hyponatremic. It, especially if it's a hot day and it's long, like, like you're doing some stuff really, really. Like it could be ride the Rockies. It could be anything like that, right? Um, even hiking, like I've seen that before, even like you're hiking a 14 or even though it's, it's, it's a long day and it's probably not that hot cause you're going up to 14, but it's still a physiological stress on the body. Drinking plain water is usually not our first strategy. I mean, during the day it's great, right? Combine water, you're eating food that has some salt and electrolytes in it, but don't use just water to hydrate yourself, especially for longer, hotter environmental conditions uh, and, and certainly not just, and that's why we do promote electrolyte consumption quite a bit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's why Very we're doing the important. test. I mean, we're, we're figuring yeah. out richest sweat sodium concentration so we could talk about not only fluid or water intake, but also how do we combine the electrolytes at the same time, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, what products do you use for fueling? So, or- yeah, fueling for me is typically going to be UCAN. I'm either using UCAN Energy or I'm using the new Edge pouches, the new Edge gels. Okay. Those are pretty cool, aren't they? They're pretty cool. I love like, those. <laughs> yeah. Nice to take it on the go. It is. Uh, I've, I've used Scratch in the past too, uh, just because it's a you know, good blend of, um, of carbohydrate mm-hmm. and, uh, and sodium for me. And actually, it's about the right concentration as it turns out. So yeah, that's yeah. kind of mm-hmm. good. But um, from a hydration perspective, I'm kind of using, you know, you're asking about fueling, but for right. hydration, I'm yeah. using you can uh, hydrate and mm-hmm. precision hydration. Okay. Yeah. So for fueling, I just looked at this up, D. Uh, so for one you can edge packet, there's 50 milligrams of sodium. And for one scoop, uh, I do believe it's probably flavor dependent. Uh, is there an energy powder flavor that you like with you can that you use? Uh, yeah, so I'm using the orange. Orange, okay, yeah. tropical and orange. Let me look that up. So per, 310. per scoop, so it's 310. Oh, yeah. so you're using 310. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 For the energy so powder. Yep. Okay. So I think it's, how many scoops are you using? Just, uh, it's just uh, for per scoop, it's just one. Oh, the hydrate. I got Hydra- you. Yeah, yeah, hydrate. I'm sorry. Yeah. So I was looking at their energy powder, not oh, the energy, electrolyte yep. powder. Okay. Sorry. Yep. But you're using their energy powder for calories? Yep, exactly. Okay, okay. So let me just qualify that one more time. So the UCAN energy powder that, that contains calories is 120 milligrams of sodium per scoop. The UCAN hydrate, which is just their electrolyte powder, is 310 milligrams. Okay. Right. I got, yep. And now are you combining them? Uh, not combining them okay. in the same bottle. Okay. Like I'll have okay. separate bottles. Gotcha. For, yeah, gotcha. So I, can, okay. I have an idea. Um, All right. Yep. I... Yep. Perfect. But these are the things athletes that are listening, uh, you know, taking into account what else do you consume that may have fluid mm-hmm. and or sodium in it? Because mm-hmm. we got to put it all together, especially if you've had issues with GI distress. Mm-hmm. We need to figure out, you know, what the culprit is yeah. or at least set up strategies to minimize mm-hmm. that in the future. Yeah. I eat very little solid food. Yeah. Um, I don't go to gels. Right. It right. just don't work. I mean, maybe honey stingers every now and then. Yeah, but, yeah. But uh, mostly just you can. And yeah. Well, and I, and I think that makes it easy, right? Because we see, I, I literally am looking this up. I see the exact milligrams of sodium. But what about, you know, like there is this whole food movement with endurance athletes. And it totally depends on the person. Like, do we condone it? No. Do we support it? No. It's just like it totally depends on the athlete, right? Yeah. But what if they're eating a PB&J? What if they're doing crackers? What if they're doing grapes? Like, 
that's what Dina you're talking about is well where is the sodium like what yeah. how much is in a PB and J how much are in these crackers are they salted are they not salted so we do have to kind of understand that whole picture if you're using solid or whole foods in in relation to sport nutrition products right yeah mm -hmm. no? yep uh, yeah so I think that is a consideration though Bob mm -hmm. for you rich if you're drinking your fueling calories and your fluid calories, if that makes sense, mm -hmm. because you're using a you can energy powder to get your carbohydrate. Mm -hmm. Yep. But then we've got other fluids that you're drinking for your hydration. So how do we, you know, cross talk these things, mm -hmm. you right, know, right, right. Uh, and yeah. and not overdo fluids, right. right? Right. But I think because you have a higher sweat rate. I don't, I don't sense anyway right now learning you that you're over, um, over hydrating yourself traditionally, um, but we just want to make sure we're paying attention to that as you get in further into the season mm -hmm. Yeah, right. and try to bring all this together a little bit more. And, and based on the products you said you're using, right, so you can right now, in what we were talking about, kind of bringing it back to how much sodium should you have on the bike for longer days or competition. So, like doing that quick math, that would probably be two you can hydrates and one scoop of energy you can energy powder per hour, right? That That's about right. Yeah. mathematically that that adds up to about we're trying to get around that 700 milligrams on the bike um, to to help set up for the run, right? Now, if it's just a normal bike session like we have here, where you're you're in just the just below 600 milligrams. You know, it depends on if you're fueling for those rides or not, but but that's what Dean and I are talking about is like, how do we come up, how do we create that total amount of sodium looking at the energy coming in, calories, along with the electrolytes. So I think the good news is you're an athlete that doesn't have to look at salt supplements, right? So the powder, or not the powders, but the, the capsules and, and the licks and all of this stuff, you're like, oh, that, that just makes it so much easier. Right. And we've had athletes on the opposite side, like, oh my gosh, how do we figure this out? I mean, like I've had some athletes, Dina, I've had to, like between 1,500 and 1,800 milligrams an hour, we need to get them that much sodium. It's a process trying to figure that out because obviously you can't drink that much, right? So how are we getting those electrolytes? And sometimes you have to be pretty creative with that. So. Yeah. The good news is we don't have to be that creative with you. <laughs> but it's interesting too, because remember we were talking about your previous test, the sweat patch test, and you were guessing. You're like, I can't remember what yeah. that value was. But in your mind, you were thinking 1,100, 1,200. So I don't know, if you ever find that data, it'd be pretty cool to compare. Right, yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah. 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 Well, this has been extremely educational. Yes. What a great uh, great set of information for me to take away and, yeah. and now do my kind of final race planning as I'm exactly. getting ready for Exactly. For uh, Galveston. So. Yeah, having good ranges and then fine tuning for future races after, you know, you've got a plan going into this mm -hmm. next race and mm -hmm. we can assess just like all athletes should be is taking how it went, what I do, modify if necessary for the next go around. Yeah. yeah. Well, I hope uh, uh, I hope yeah. some I hope some athletes are going to get something from this and yeah. You know, really kind of have a better season as a result. Right, yeah. And we'll put everything in the show notes, a lot of data, mm -hmm. uh, links to stuff that we've talked about, uh, how to find us. Uh, Rich will obviously put the 303 podcast on there because we love yeah. you guys to death. Um, but anything awesome. else that you'd like to share or ask or as we wrap up? Well, I, you know, I guess, you know, let me open this up just a little bit. We've talked yeah. about one aspect, mm -hmm. really, of, of testing to make sure that you have a successful day. There's right. other things 
Um, the other things that we add to this equation too, things that we have done in the past, mm -hmm. Bob, I thought, you know, we, have, we really have, haven't talked that much about it, yeah. but you know, maybe we should just you know, layer in you know, the importance of also knowing what your caloric needs are right. on an hourly basis, Absolutely. Uh, based on intensity and based on sport. Maybe just take a minute or two to talk about that. Yeah, and that's, so Rich is referring to metabolic efficiency testing, and listeners, you've heard us, Dean and I, talk about metabolic efficiency training before, and a little bit of the testing, when we're gonna do a lot more this year and get some good case studies, right? But which, what Rich is referring to is having the data of how well your body is and how efficient your body is using carbohydrate and fat and at what intensities are you expending them, right? Because in Dina, what you were talking a lot about, well, let's look at, we need to look at the calories also here. And it is kind of a moving target until you have it tested. And once now you know, because you've had a metabolic efficiency test, we did that pre and post, mm -hmm. you know your body, you know it, what, what heart rates, what power, what pace your body burns carbohydrate and fat and where does that start to change? Now you can extrapolate that not only in your training, but you can be a smarter competitive athlete because then in race, you can kind of hold yourself back or push yourself forward, knowing that you know when and where to have those calories and at what quantities, right? It's the same exact thing for sodium. Now you've got two sets of data from a caloric standpoint and an electrolyte standpoint. I mean, literally, is there anything else? Electrolytes, hydration, calories, those are probably the biggest influencers of having a fun day in whatever competitive event you're doing, right? Perfect. Yeah, yeah. yeah. exactly. Yeah. Well, guys, this has been a blast. Thank you yeah. for uh, hosting me here. And, and Thank you. Thanks for visiting us. Yeah. Yeah. This was test. so awesome. Yeah. This, was, this was our first in-person, so I think, I think it went really well. And listeners, I hope you... Uh, I hope we were able to describe what we were doing, uh, what Dina was doing the entire time. We'll post some photos on our on our Instagram account for sure, and we'll we'll share those so you can kind of see some of the process. But we just appreciate you having the time and spending the time with us. Awesome, thanks guys. Yeah, so much. Thank, thank you. you. Thanks for listening to episode eighteen. If you want to see some pictures of what our sweat sodium testing looks like, then be sure to follow us over on Instagram. ISN podcast is our handle. So you can see some photos that will be posted over there on our Instagram account. And, you know, a fun fact about sweat sodium is that there can be a tenfold difference in that concentration of sweat sodium per liter of sweat. So between athletes, a tenfold difference. And that really does speak to the importance of learning your own composition so you can be better informed on your needs and develop your strategies more optimally. So hang with us here for next week's episode where Bob and I continue our theme of nutrient timing. We've talked already about nutrition and hydration considerations before and during your training sessions, but we can't neglect what goes on afterwards. So in episode 19, we're chatting all things post-training related to nutrition and hydration. And remember, if you've got a sports nutrition question that you want us to address on a future Q&A episode, you can send an email to hello at insidesportsnutrition.com. Put your name and your question in there, and we will address that for you in the future. 
We still would love your support in promoting our podcast as we continue to grow. So if you find our information helpful and the strategies we're talking about useful to you in your quest for improving your health and performance, please give us a rating over on your podcast platform. We'd love to see a five-star rating and any reviews from you. It really does help us continue to grow and share our content with other listeners around the world. And for information about our services that Bob and I offer, including sweat sodium testing and nutrition coaching and other physiological testing services, you can look for Bob over at energyperformance.com. That's E-N-R-G performance.com. And myself, Dina, at nutritionmechanic.com. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are solely those of the hosts and the guests involved and do not represent a replacement for medical consultation with your doctor. The information and opinions provided here are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease or medical condition. This podcast is for information, education, and entertainment purposes only.